disguised my handwriting and I used someone else's DNA to lick the envelope. That's Carrie Stainer. Okay. Somebody watched their CSI. Yes, they did. These voices that you're hearing right now, I know that you might not recognize us because it's <laughs> been a hot minute. But oh, it's Jen. So long. And Becky. And it's too close to home. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> We're going to finally finish this part two of, of this, the Stainer Brothers, but... Uh, we apologize for being out. We did have that special episode where we interviewed someone about their missing relative. But, you know, illness, retail, new jobs. Let us all give a round of applause to Becky for being a bad bitch and getting a new badass job. Thanks. Thanks. Let's Cardi give a B round would of... be so proud of you making those money moves. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> JJ is too. He said he likes pretty things. <laughs> we were talking beforehand and I was like, I hope. The JJ has a Pinterest board of all the things that he's going to get <laughs> when we take off on this podcast. He's going to have a ton of J's on there. Oh, different sure. hues, like matching. So much D&D stuff. He's going to look like such a good trophy husband. He is. So pretty. I'm going <laughs> to doll him up. <laughs> and let's just, you know, give a round of applause to Jennifer for thus far, thus far, surviving the retail season. Oh, God. I don't know if I'm going to survive the rest. I'm not here just fighting for my life. Every day. With cowboy boots. <laughs> and I'm fighting hobos in the parking lot. Yeah. Listen, though, I would watch that. 10 out of 10 would watch again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your Adrian. <laughs> It'll work. It'll work. It'll do. <laughs> Listen, we all know I would be the one. Like, Jen, I'm going to need you to fight that hobo. All right. You got it, fam. <laughs> I will say I won't start the fight, <laughs> but I'll finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she will. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to start with my sources. Wikipedia under Carrie Stainer. Hulu series Captive Audience, A Real American Horror Story. Criminal Minds Fandom, Corey Stainer. SFGate.com news article. The Stunning Details of Stainer Confession, AETV, Real Crime, FBI Agent Recounts a Repulsive Request by Serial Killer Carrie Stainer, and Desert.com, Details of Yosemite Killer Giving. So we got some good sauces, lots of good information. So, given that, let's jump right in. Now, as you'll recall, we covered Steven Stainer, who was kidnapped... Um. Before I tell you this, I went to lunch with my boss and got to meet her in person because I am a remote worker. And she is terrified of like true crime and horror movies and stuff. So we don't really talk about that. I respect it. And we were talking about some circumstance of a missing child. And I was like, oh, we just did one about somebody who went missing. I said, but I won't tell you the deed. It's pretty rough. And she's like, well, just start and let's see. And I started going into the story because I had a magnificent person <laughs> tell me about it. So I have all the deets. And eventually oh. she goes, okay, we need to stop. <laughs> I can feel my, I can feel a panic attack coming. Can we stop? Oh. And I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> I forget that some people are like that about this stuff. Me, on the other hand, I am deep dive. The more information, I fall down a rabbit hole. This oh. article leads me to this article to this article. But I will say, quick side note, guys. I'm sorry. I know we're 
yabbering on a lot. I just want to express how heartbroken I was about them finding the little girl in Texas. Yes. That's just got me. I started crying, literally crying. I walked out to tell JJ they found her and I was crying. And, you know, ones like that, you know, at her home and the FedEx driver just took her is, and being the same age as my daughter, oh, dear God, that, and that must be how people feel about hearing all stories that are like her. Yeah, there are certain ones that are like extremely triggering. and But, you know, on the normal day, uh, I will talk an uncomfortable amount Same. about things. But then you hit stories like that and it's just like, how yeah. can I even have any enthusiasm to tell the details and, and the interesting things in this timeline when something so tragic has happened? Yeah. So our our thoughts... Well wishes, prayers go out to that family and hope they can heal over time. It won't ever be the same, but. So to get more dark and depressing. Wow. I was like, I was trying to think of something hopeful at the end. And I, I really was like, bummed Jennifer out, guys. <laughs> looking for a good metaphor. And I was like, oh, fuck, I am out. And then also I was thinking, um, you ever do thoughts and prayers when someone says thoughts and prayers? I always think T-H-O-T-S, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> it's horrible. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> and then I remember I have a lot of family trauma. And I was like, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to it. So Carrie Stainer, the brother of Stephen Stainer, who we covered, who was kidnapped, came home. The... Kidnapper basically got a slap on her wrist and told, don't do it again. And for holding him for seven years and abusing him. And then family trauma for everybody involved, no matter what part you played in it. It's like, bro, I heard you have trauma. So I got trauma for your trauma on top of your traumas. Yeah, some trauma. Trauma. Your trauma. <laughs> so, of course, Carrie Stainer, who was the older brother, experienced his own version of the trauma. You know, watching the family, living in the house, why the turmoil of the family. I can only imagine what that would be like because I know myself would be a hot mess and I would feel sorry for my other children if one of them were kidnapped yeah. and how the house would run thereafter. Also, like, as children, it's very complex feelings that they're not used to. That having um, something traumatic like that is not a necessarily a normal thing to experience. So imagine watching your parents wringing their hands, losing their minds over a lost sibling, and here you are almost kind of forgotten in your own little way. Um, so it's just a compounded effect. 100%. Got it on the nose, Jennifer. Caught a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie Stainer was born and raised also in Merced, California. His seven-year-old brother, Stephen, was kidnapped by the child molester Kenneth Parnell in 72. When Carrie was 11... Is when his brother was kidnapped. Carrie later said that he felt neglected while his parents grieved over the loss of Stephen, which I can understand. I, I would venture to say if one of my children were kidnapped, the other two would experience some neglect as well. Yeah. Unintentional neglect. You know, I'm not yeah, faulting the parents. And they on don't. This. And, and at that age, they don't understand. And there's a lot of things that you don't understand truly why your parents felt that way until you become a parent yourself. Oh, so. yeah, 100%. While Stephen escaped Parnell and returned home in 1980, he 
started receiving massive media attention immediately. True crime book, TV movie, both titled My First Name is Steven, were all made about his ordeal. As we know, Steven later went on to die in a motorcycle accident. And the following year, Carrie's uncle, Jesse, with whom he was living at the time, was murdered. Carrie later claimed that Jesse molested him around that same time that Stephen was kidnapped. So basically, Carrie was um, 11 years old and he was staying with the uncle. The uncle was like, fun uncle. And it was kind of like his escape place from everything that was going on in his home. He said one night that they were up watching movies and it was time to go to sleep. And the uncle said, hey, you're just going to sleep in my room tonight because there was other people at the home and whatnot. If you've ever been at a big family gathering where a lot of yeah. people are over, that's not unusual that you end up here, here in this room or whatnot with Especially somebody. Especially if you're close with family. Right. And allegedly that night, uh, Jesse molested Carrie. Well, Carrie later recounts that he wasn't even sure what happened was wrong because, you know, back in that time, things weren't spoken about as openly as they are now no. with your kids. And if we're just honest, like, molestation wasn't taken as seriously back then no. as it was now. You know, I, I told my mom that I was talking to her and she was talking about in gym class, they used to do the trampoline and they wore these little shorts. And I was like, middle school girls jumping on a trampoline in little shorts while the coaches watch you. I was like, try that today and there would be a protest out front oh, of school. Absolutely. I was like, you definitely grew up in the Chomo times, mom. Oh. Because I'm just envisioning young pu- girls going through puberty in little shorts jumping on a trampoline while the coach Bro. with a 70s porn star mustache watches them. There it's is mind-blowing uh, to think that. Was- soccer player, and she put on, like, a disguise to look like a man and was talking some mad shit at these young soccer girls. Same stuff that she had been talked to, like, when she was their age. I'm, like, just tearing them down. And these kids, instead of being quiet, walked up and said, I don't like your tone. What you're saying is not appropriate. And I was like, oh, Okay. Okay, 2022. <laughs> right? And that wouldn't have happened then. No, they would have been like, just put your head down. They're adults. Adults have the power. Do we need to know why? No, because they said so. Right. And so uh, Carrie never said anything. Just kind of dealt with it. Again, it's all allegedly because the uncle's dead and the allegations that he did this came out afterwards. So just to be very clear, don't know if it really happened or not. I hate to insinuate the victim is lying but i also don't feel it's fair when the accused is not around to state if it happened or not and considering what the victim went on to do correct what happened with the uncle is they found him dead he was shot with a shotgun but was it like kurt cobain style where he was like it was suicide and that was air quotations. Well, they said he was involved in drugs, so they weren't sure if it were, you know, someone came to rob him or whatnot. But there have always been insinuations that it was Carrie that did it. Mm. But to this day, he still denies it. I mean, is he denying the other stuff? No. Okay, yeah. I'm, I would say, unless it was, the only time they really deny when they're out and, like, they've already been convicted like that is, ones that they're personally ashamed of. Right. So many people felt that Carrie's past with his brother's tragic life story affected him and possibly even played a part in him turning into a killer. And I'm 50-50 on that, you know. Uh, 
you know, trauma leads everybody down different roads. We grow from it, we get stronger from it, or we let it overtake our lives. You know, if he had that trauma and he had the molestation on top of that, I mean, that is, you know, some of the ingredients for serial killer soup. It is. But there's a lot of people who also go through the things. And don't. And don't do that. Correct. Yeah. So I always feel like trauma can spearhead some events, but I think those thoughts and feelings were already there and there was already a miswiring inside of your head. You know, it's it's kind of like when people get an autoimmune disease, it's always there, but something triggers it. Yeah, I it feel opens like, the door. Right. I feel like that's how it is with the serial killer. It was always there. This just triggered the event to mm-hmm. take place. But I am not a psychologist. I'm just sitting in a chair with Who my best we? friend. Just talking Barbie shit on girls them. and Barbie world. Yeah. <laughs> but in reality, he had displayed several disturbing signs before Stephen disappeared. When Carrie was only three, he was diagnosed with trichotillomania. Oh. This is an obsessive compulsive disorder of one's own need to pull their own hair out. Mm-hmm. So they'll just rip out patches of hair. I'm and sure you've probably seen that, though, as a nurse, though, have like come across every once in a while, like once in a blue moon. I've only seen it one time and I probably would have not known had I not worked in a barber shop. But the guy was like, listen, I, he said he I have to mainly and he had a bald spot back here because mm-hmm. he would pull it out. I have a family member that did it when they were young, when they would be in stressful situations, but they outgrew it mm-hmm. and don't do it anymore as an adult. But Carrie continued to do it as oh an God. adult. So from the time he was three on, he was put on medication, but the condition stuck with him even during his high school years. He ended up with bald spots, um, which led to him being bullied. Um, when he was seven is when he first started having violent fantasies about abducting and killing women. He said his first violent fantasy that he could remember was he was at the grocery store with his mom and they were checking out and he was looking at the cashier behind the counter and he said he just wondered what it would be like to abduct her, kidnap her. And he also had these thoughts about a neighbor girl and he had actually thought about kidnapping her and tying her up and just being able to do whatever he wanted. Now at this time, they weren't necessarily of sexual nature because he was so young, but he just wanted, even at the age of seven, to bound and take control of people. Again, main ingredient in cereal killer soup. Yep, 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 yep. That's yep. like the ham bone and the beans that you just threw Listen, in there. Really I, gives it all the flavor. I get mad, just like the next gal when I'm in the grocery store and people have left their baskets willy nilly out and they're, you know, putting stuff in back in the wrong places. But never have I ever. <laughs> never have I ever. I'll drink to that. What would it be like if I kidnapped this bagger? <laughs> and, you know, my dark, twisted mind, pew, 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 to all these thoughts. It makes you wonder, have you ever been the person that's standing there and someone is sitting there thinking about what it would be like to tie you up and murder you and you have no idea that that person is standing there having those thoughts about you? Becky. Just to give you all something to keep Becky you up tonight Ann. from sleeping. <laughs> Becky, Letitia, and... <laughs> Now I have a whole new complex. <laughs> You're welcome. Listen, like I take sleeping medication and I will not, will not drink if I'm taking it. Like not a glass of wine. And this is like one milligram. It's nothing, right? right? Because Michelle McNamara was drinking and taking sleep medication. She died in her sleep. Now, much higher volumes. But. But. Nonetheless. Did it give me a complex? Of course Absolutely. It did. And I just gave you a new one. 
<laughs> You're welcome. Just be in the grocery store looking around. Watch it be Jimmy, though. Oh, stop it. He's sitting behind me. I can't <laughs> <even see him. laughs> Just turn around and like those eyes. <laughs> he did look different. I, I get those fearful thoughts when I see somebody staring at me too long or like watching me and then I see him again in the grocery store. I'm like, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? You want to kidnap me? Let's go. <laughs> Bring it. You ever seen the guy who was like, he's uh, got sunglasses on and he's eating ice cream seductively in the mall and he's looking at somebody but has these sunglasses on and most people are all like flipping their hair and be like oh uh, married and then <laughs> eventually he gets up and throws out like the uh, seeing the blind stick oh. where he's put and everyone's like so embarrassed <laughs> i would have been like oh thank you jesus <laughs> me too i was like sigh really he ain't looking at me because i'm hot he's looking at me because he wants to wear my skin it sounds like he wants to peel my skin back it yeah. puts the lotion on the skin or he gets the hose again exactly <laughs> that's my thoughts okay buffalo bell calm down <laughs> i never think someone's looking at me like she's ridiculously hot that think they want to make besides a- jj that's it <laughs> they want to make a lampshade out of my skin <laughs> <laughs> you would make a good lampshade to be fair Warning, there's stretch marks. It's not going to be the prettiest up there. <laughs> You're just a tiger, baby. <laughs> okay, they want tiger skin. I got you. I'm your girl. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so back to our story. <laughs> um, Academically, he was very bright, and he was placed in gifted classes in school. But this didn't stop him from having fantasies about women being gang raped before he was a teenager. Oof. He even exposed himself to a friend's a friend of his sister's while she was over on a sleepover. Mm. Yeah. At the age of 18, Stainer was voted the most creative student of his graduating class for his cartoon contributions to the school newspaper. So apparently he was a very gifted artist and great at drawings. He um, would make them for people. He did them for the school newspaper and was very, very good at it. After graduating high school, Stainer worked as a window installer at a glass company. Over the following years, Stephen's abduction and escape continued to garner attention. The more attention Stephen got, the more frustrated Carrie became. Carrie shared one day with a friend a fantasy he had. So they're like chilling at lunch, okay? I want you to picture this, everybody. I want you to picture you're in the break room at work. You're having your lunch. You're messing around on your phone. You know, you're not really paying Watching attention. some TikTok. Yeah. And then a co-worker's like, hey. And so you put your phone down and look at him. Hey, what's up? They start telling you a story. They share with you that they wonder what it would be like to get into a truck and drive it inside and kill everybody inside and then burn the place to the ground. That you're, you can't see Jennifer's face, but you guys probably look similar too. And the co-worker's like, say what? I feel like... You know what? Let me start out and tell you how much I appreciate all that you've done for me. I always felt like we was thick as thieves. <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, if you need anything, I'm your girl. If you feel like that's going to happen, though, give me a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I may have a dark sense of humor if you haven't figured that out. And I may have said once or twice to employees as they quit, hey, why don't you throw a match at the front door and burn this place down on your way out? <laughs> I need the day off. Ha ha, kiki, maybe I shouldn't say things like that. It is 2022. <laughs> so, you know, the coworker kind of just thought, he's having a bad day. He's really pissed off. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to run everybody over and burn the place down. I've never said to that extent. Yeah, that sounds very specific. It I've been like, burn this mother down or like, fuck this place. Yeah. But when you start getting in, I'm going to get in my truck and I'm going to drive in here, 
kill all of you motherfuckers and then light it. <laughs> Although, catch me on the right day, I'd be like, bet I'm in the passenger seat. Shotgun! <laughs> Fire in the disco! <laughs> JK, 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 FBI, JK. Please, calm down. Because <laughs> I know you watching me, I'm on your website <laughs> way too much. <laughs> I'm, we are on probably multiple lists and none of them are going to be for yachts. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. In September of 1989, Stephen, who had been married and had the children, died in a car accident. The following year, Jesse Stainer, whom Carrie lived with, was shot to death in his house. So when Carrie's uncle, who allegedly molested him, Carrie moved in with him later on as an adult. Again, it shows you some mental health issues because and the. When I say mental health issues, I mean the lack of like he had his hair pulling out and his fantasies. So we know there's something misfiring up mm-hmm. there, not the way that it should, because you shouldn't be having those thoughts. The hair pulling that can come with stress. But then you were abused and you move in with your abuser. Mm-hmm. And it shows the lack of not again to fault his parents because they had their own stuff going on. But it does show he did have that neglect as a child to get him the resources that he needed. Right. And to be there for him to divulge to you, I was molested because now later on he moves in with the abuser. And we see those kinds of things happen with people who aren't given the correct therapies they need. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because it just messes with their mind. And this abuser and abuse becomes a form of love to them. Yeah. And it is truly heartbreaking. Like I, right now I feel bad for him. So at this moment, but. I'm sure that's about to change. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. The murder has yet to ever be solved of his uncle. And Stainer did become a suspect after his arrest. In 1991, Carrie tried to gas himself to death with carbon monoxide. And in 1995, he was admitted to a mental institution after claiming to have a nervous breakdown, but was released after receiving treatment. So Carrie did try some medications in his life for um, his thoughts and whatnot. At one point, he was like, okay, like I shouldn't be thinking like this. This isn't fucking right. I've talked to my friends, and this is not that they're not on the same page. <laughs> I am the common denominator, which kudos on you for yeah. realizing. <laughs> so he got on medication, and he said the medication made the thoughts go away. Gone. Okay. Completely erased but he stopped taking the medication because the thoughts went away and i he probably enjoyed them well to a degree or maybe they've made made him feel at home he said it was more of like a um uh the way they made him feel in the sense of think about when you know christmas is coming up whether you're excited or you're excited for your kids you're like I'm so ready for it. Not necessarily you getting the gifts if you're younger and you're still the person getting gifts, not spending all your money on your children. I understand you're excited for yourself. I'm excited for my kids because nobody gets me anything. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not to make this about me. (laughs) Don't mean to make it about me, but (laughs) hint, hint. (laughs) And imagine if all of a sudden you started taking a pill and those feelings went away and you felt nothing. You know, Mm. it's kind of like when people who have mental health, they schizophrenics and stuff, Everything becomes normal. It is like a cut There's no off. highs and no lows right. anymore. 
And even if they're highs and lows, sometimes you normally people have them. They just don't have them constantly like they do. And when you take right. them to get way all together, it's like adrenaline junkies. So he stopped taking the medication. In 1997, Stainer was hired as a handyman at the Cedar Lodge Motel in El Portal, California, just outside the Highway 140 entrance to Yosemite National Park. He was said to be a well-liked employee doing all kinds of work, ranging from cleaning services to fixing electrical and mechanical problems. And they did say that he was um, very helpful, would help do anything, was always there. Um, he liked working out there because it was a more secluded area, more like on his own. Uh, obviously, if you can't garner from his uh, life so far, wasn't the best in social interactions. So it was kind of like, this is where he needs to be. Fast forward to February of 1999. 42-year-old Carol Sund, her daughter, 15-year-old Julie Sund, and Julie's friend, 16-year-old Argentina exchange student, Silviana Pelosi, were on a visit to Yosemite National Park. The three went missing after having dinner at Cedar Lodge. On a whim, Carrie Stainer abducted and killed all three women. Mm. He killed Carol and Sylvina on the 15th of February, and their bodies were found a month later in the trunk of Sun's Pontiac rental car by James Powers as he was driving through a heavily wooded forest areas. The bodies were burned beyond recognition and were identified using dental records. Julie was killed a day later on the 16th, according to Carrie. Her body was found one week after her mother and Sylvina's bodies were found. What happened was they were in the hotel and Carrie Stainer came and knocked on the door. And the mom wouldn't open the door. And he said, I'm the maintenance man. There's a leak in the room above you. And I have to come in and make sure there's no damage through here and see if there's anything going on with the pipes down here that could potentially cause the problem up there. Mm-hmm. All sounds legit, right? Right. She was still very hesitant to let him in. It she sounds like a, woman, a girl like us, you know? Yeah, with two teenage girls. He said, well, I can go get the manager and he can come down here with me if that would make you feel more comfortable. Well, him saying that made her feel more comfortable. So she let him in. Ah, oh, come on, gal. Yeah. So he came in. He went into the bathroom. He tinkered around for a little bit like he was fixing some stuff. And then he came out with a gun. He tied up all the uh, girls, and while they're all tied up and subdued in there, he kills the mother first. Well, Sylvina, the foreign exchange student, like couldn't get her shit together. When I say that, I am not being derogatory. She was just a mess, crying. Uh, Hyperventilating. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept telling her, like, bro, you need to chill. You need to chill. You need to chill. Well, she wouldn't chill, so he takes her in the bathroom, and he kills her. Julie, on the other hand, was more composed and had her stuff together. So he takes her out with him. He drives her around. He ends up raping her. Um, And he ends up telling her how much he loves her and how he wants to keep her around. Yeah. And he said he thought about just keeping her, but he knew that it was too much of a risk to keep her. So he ends up driving her up to where he's going to kill her. He rapes her again and then tells her that he loves her and then he kills her in a different area. So after they found 
the car and the girls' bodies, they still couldn't find Julie's body. So a week after the mother and Sylvina were found, he wrote a note and sent it to the police with a hand-drawn map indicating the location of Julie. The top of the note read, we had fun with this one. And he said he put we... To, to confuse. Mm-hmm. Investigators went to the location, depicted on the map, and they found the remains of Julie. She'd been wrapped in a pink blanket from the Cedar Lodge and her throat had been cut. Stainer would later admit to killing, admit he sexually assaulted the teenage girl. He would also admit to attempting to disguise his handwriting and using someone else's DNA to seal the envelope. So he said he went and like found a hobo on the street and paid him 20 bucks to, yeah, spit in a cup so that he could use their spit to seal the envelope. Ugh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. What, I hope he threw that cup away and didn't reuse it. I don't know. <laughs> I just something about that makes me want to throw up. Oh, he probably saved the spit so that he could Ugh, use it again God. later on if he was going to do. Painting it onto the victim's body. I mean, it. I never want to give seen, killers uh, credit, but damn, that was smart. It's that show that just came out. The um, the guy who's on death row, and he helps solve cases. Oh, um, I watched it too. Stanley Tucci's the guy. Yeah. So, like the woman, is she's in the gr- like spoiler alert. Um, you might want to fast forward if you haven't watched it yet. Not that I have told you what it's called, but. Oh, why can't I remember The Watcher or something like that. I don't remember. It's like a word, like the something. But homegirl like fucking pulls her hair out and cuts herself up. And she's like, my DNA is in every corner of this basement. And I was like, yes, bitch. When she did that, I was like, (laughs) spitting everywhere. That's my girl. (laughs) DNA here, DNA there. God, what is it? Inside man. The inside man. Check it out, y'all. It's good. Very It's only good. four episodes, but it's great. So when detectives first began interviewing employees of the Cedar Lodge Motel, where the first three victims had been staying just before their deaths, Carrie was interviewed. Stainer was not considered a suspect at any point because he had no criminal history, and they said he was cool as a cucumber during the interview. Like, he gave them zero red flags. Okay, that that's exactly even... what would give me a red flag. Jennifer. Can't accuse everybody. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you turn your head around, that motherfucker over there looks suspicious. Don't and we've been together ten years. <laughs> they even said later, after Stainer is caught, that they were still shocked because he had given these detectives no pause whatsoever that he could have been involved, which is even more terrifying, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That you are able to maintain Emotionally your composure. Emotionally just be like, eh. Yeah. That was very scientific, right? Just, eh. 100%. <laughs> it, the last science article I read, that was in there. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Eh. <laughs> the police. That's bit. like just one level up below. <laughs> <laughs> and just two below. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> The police then, in very 1980s fashion, 1990s fashion, went out and rounded up everybody that had committed a crime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you look like a likely suspect. I jaywalked. <laughs> yeah. He did it. He did it. 
<laughs> kind of animal. Jaywalks. I just love the way that it's like, okay, so you've assaulted someone, you robbed somebody, you raped somebody. Come on down, you're all suspects. Like, rape, I get it. Robbery, maybe. But just because you like got in a fight with somebody doesn't mean that you went out and murdered three women. Even with no conviction or evidence that any of these people were guilty, the police and press released a news bulletin stating they were confident they had the killer in custody. Mm. Everybody go home, chill out, unlock your doors again. It's cool. We got them. (laughs) You can unhide your kids and unhide your wife. (laughs) We're all safe now. (laughs) Direct quote. (laughs) (laughs) It was not long, though, before they were proven wrong. And I feel like, God, so back in the day, but it's like, Jesus, I hope y'all like were able to sleep okay after you told everyone it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And then more people were murdered because they believed you that it was cool, it's cool, it's cool. I mean, you guys, I, what, what I said, but what I meant by it's cool, it's cool, it's cool <laughs> is for this guy, I didn't, I, I wasn't stating it for every, I yeah. mean, I don't have that kind of, do I look like Superman? <laughs> So on July 22nd, 1999, the decapitated body of 26-year-old Joey Ruth Armstrong was found behind her house in a stream. Eyewitnesses said they saw a powder blue 1972 International Scout parked outside the cabin where she was staying. People who lived in the area knew this car belonged to Carrie Stainer. So this young girl was the opposite of Jennifer and I. She was an outdoorsy gal. Oh, yeah. Out there climbing, hiking, going on waterfall hikes, <laughs> surviving them. Just surviving. Out here fighting for my life. It's 75 Just, degrees. It might as well be fucking hell. My ass. Well. <laughs> so she was outside going in and out. She was about to go out of town and she's like putting some stuff in her car. She's like watering her vegetables and shit. And okay. <laughs> second part, fucking vegetables. Water. <laughs> Bitch, I have aloe and I've almost killed that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and he was watching her and he went up to her outside. She was by herself. There was nobody there. And then he proceeded to rape, murder her, and decapitate her. Like I said, they'd seen the car. They knew it belonged to Carrie Stainer. And Carrie Stainer not only worked as an employee at the Cedar Lodge, but he was also living in an apartment above the restaurant. FBI agents John Bowles and Jeff Rennick found Stainer staying at the Laguna del Sol Nudist Resort in Wilton, where he was re- arrested and taken to Sacramento for questioning. Listen, <laughs> there was a nudist colony when I worked at the sheriff's office. It was like middle of nowhere fucking Georgia. Nudist colony. And they would send the rookies out there. <laughs> and the rookies... They would walk right up to the car. So imagine being in a Crown Victoria and looking to your left and just an old saggy set of balls. balls. <laughs> Swinging in the wind. I heard by. you guys uh, had some trouble. No. A j- towel over the shoulder, you know. As- of course. <laughs> yeah. Because we're not animals, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Ball sweat's got to be dried somehow. <laughs> it's called being polite. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, manners. <laughs> so just carries. I don't know why that's so hilarious. <laughs> just 
It's like you've ever seen like these pictures of like or like documentaries of nudist camps. It's never anyone sexy, okay? Never. Never. It's always somebody. It's an old white man. Of course. With back hair. Yes. <laughs> hair coming out of his teeth. Yes. <laughs> Paint a picture, Jen. Paint a picture. <laughs> You're 100% right. Me, like, They're, when I'm going to be old, I'm going to have to have, like, you know, the pancake titties. You, you roll them up, throw them in your bra, you know what I mean? <laughs> and usually that old hairy man at the news camp is the retired gym coach that watched the girls jump on the trampoline. Ugh. <clears throat> yeah. So shortly after Stainer was detained, he told the arresting agents over pizza he confessed to the murders. You know, pizza but, makes me really talkative, too. <laughs> well, but only... If they would provide him with a sizable collection of child pornography. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> <laughs> sir, you don't know how to bargain, do you? <laughs> okay, sir. So I know like when you go to a car dealership, you'd be like lowballing them. So they'll come down on the offer. Sir, you went, you went expectations too high. Like too <laughs> First of all, is this a trap? Because it's illegal. <laughs> Are you trying to have me be your silly? <laughs> right. Because that's what's going to happen. Not today. <laughs> first of all, they're going to want to know where I got it from. And when I say my house, first red flag. First red flag. <laughs> Every red flag. That'd be, you might as well be like, you know what? I will take a brick of cocaine that's in evidence in exchange. <laughs> is that shit going to happen? What? No. But you got a better chance that that happens. <laughs> yeah, you got a way better chance to get some uh, booger sugar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want to get a large, sizable, sizable collection <laughs> of child pornography. He didn't even like, can I just get one picture of Sally from around the corner? Can naked? you draw something out like a stick figure that's small? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, he's an sizable. artist. Draw it yourself, Carrie. I wonder if the officer was like, so when we say like a couple is two, you know, <laughs> several is like three or four. What do we mean by sizable? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know you guys are on the edge of your seats waiting to hear what they said, <laughs> but they said no. <laughs> oh my God. Did not see that coming. It was the deal of a century. Stainer did not get his wish, but then he was like, it's all right. I knew you guys were going to say no. All right. So get your legal pads out. I got you, bro. And he told him anyway. He, he literally said, I was just going to see if y'all were going to say yeah, but I knew you wouldn't. But I'm going to tell you anyway. You're like, it was worth a shot, man. He was you don't know until you ask. <laughs> he was literally like that during the confession. Just very nonchalant. Like, he was all a fucking joke. Like, it was just a story he was telling also, about a movie he watched. Could you imagine being the officer? I would vomit afterwards. Like, him just being like, I had to see if you would do it. That's one of those days, like, you come home from work and you just walk over and pour, like, some whiskey in a cup and your spouse is, like, long day and you're like, yeah, and they just know not even to talk to you to just, like, get the fuck out of the way. And then you start drinking it right out of the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm, okay. You want me to, like, uh, get you some a sizable amount of child porn or something to help you relax <laughs> you? Like, <laughs> sizable. <laughs> Somebody give me a sizable. Oh, my God. That girl, right? I'm going to start calling everything. Like, I would, like, a sizable amount of spaghetti. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. I would like a sizable amount of coffee. <laughs> I would like a sizable amount of 
truffle fries. Mm. Oh my God. I know, right? All right, we can't do this again. Last time we talked about food too. <laughs> During his interrogation, Stainer shocked the agents when he confessed not only to Armstrong's decapitation, but to the murders of Pelosi and the sons and sending the map for Julie's son's body because they still at this point did not think he was involved in that. Also, the murders were drastically different. Mm-hmm. These two were tied up and burned in the trunk of a car and then the little girl was somewhere. Yeah, the MOs are different. Yeah. This lady was, her head was decapitated. And so although they were all females, the way he killed them and uh, disposed of the bodies was drastically different. It and, wasn't, you know, that part wasn't the ritual for him, I'm sure. And in case you guys forgot, they'd already caught the person for the other murders. Remember, they rounded up mm-hmm. all the yahoos in town? And Everybody they had save. <laughs> so they were like, what? So we need to go release the town that we just put in the <laughs> jail? Uh-oh. Whoops. Somebody call Andy and Barney down at the <laughs> jail. <laughs> Tell them to release them. His- now, I would never have ever wished more than right now that I could do an impression of Barney Five. <laughs> Me neither. Sorry, I let you down today. I let you down. And I'm glad that you caught what I was laying down there and picked it up, Jennifer. Do you we, know what? We and were, if you don't know this reference, tell it, Jennifer. Go on home. Your mama's waiting for you. She is. Your baby. Your child. And you better have both hands on the steering wheel and not be ticks. Ten and two. Ten and two. <laughs> you don't know the struggle of having a CD organizer on your visor so heavy it's in your line of vision thank you and trying to get the right cd while you're driving right (laughs) and not scratch that shit sam don't even look at it wrong don't even look at it wrong hit a bump and it skips in your cd (laughs) yeah i don't know he said anti-skip bullshit struggle is real (laughs) so when they searched his vehicle it yielded evidence providing him linked to armstrong and an FBI video, Carrie was taken to Joey's house and explained everything he did. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> the next quotes are some snippets from the blog about the FBI interview. I was like, why do I say snippets from the blog from FBI interview? <laughs> and I flipped it over. Oh, that's why, because that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's like... <laughs> Don't you love it when you write something long ago and then you go to read it again? You're like, oh, look at me. (laughs) I am one hell of a writer. (laughs) This is going to be my last pizza, he said. I tried to buck him up. Told him it was a long way from that. Should it ever come? Wait, 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 wait. Listen, if that's not a warning for you guys, if you want pizza, don't go to prison. Mm -mm. Just saying. It's not worth it. Not worth worth it. Nothing's worth losing pizza nope. or hot wings. Yeah. And fries. Mm. Can't do it. Never got to see Star Wars, he continued, as random thoughts of things he enjoyed and freedom began popping into his mind. It's weird because I love my life so much, he said, without a hint of irony. One minute, he said he'd be enjoying time with friends, marveling at nature, and thinking high-minded thoughts. And the next minute, it's like I could kill every person on the face of the earth. It just mentally tortures you, he went on to say, constantly back and forth like a tennis match. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I mean, (laughs) I feel the way you do. But I'm also so fascinated by mental health. And I imagine it's got to be a horrible feeling. I mean, it's like depression. Like one minute you're 
happy and you're looking at your life and you're loving it. And then the next minute you're so sad and you're like, why do I feel this way? Like you I don't have, have no a reason pinpoint. to feel no. this way. Yeah. And to mentally struggle with those very dark, twisted thoughts and be sitting there playing poker with your friends and life is good. I'm happy. I'm smoking my cigar, having a drink, enjoying time. And then you get in the drive home and you're like, oh, I could tie that woman up and rape her and kill her. And know that it's wrong, but you can't make it stop. It's mm-hmm. got to be torture. It's like a like not having that impulse control, but seeing that inside your head and not being able to stop it. Like Some of the disturbing details in the confession tape included stating days before he killed the three women, he had assembled a murder kit in his backpack consisting of a rope, a roll of black duct tape, a gun, and a long serrated knife. If you don't know what that is, that's like your bread knife, the serrated ones. Mm. The one that you never use in your drawer. I use that to cut bread all the time. I'm dead ass serious. <laughs> I love it. It's what the best you, bread cutting knife. Like a whole ass loaf of bread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I'll make my homemade garlic bread. So I'll get like a loaf of French oh, bread and okay. cut it up. Yeah, yeah. And I love my bread knife for that. God, you try to use I another knife. I just... so much. Oh my God. Oh, that's right. You can't eat it. I'm going to figure it out one day. In the tapes, Stainer described how he had planned to rape and kill his girlfriend and her 8 and 11-year-old daughters a year before he settled upon the sons in Sylvina. So he had a girlfriend. She had, oh, Jennifer's that face. That was horrifying. Yeah. I know. You like the way I didn't even segue into that. Just, bam, hit you right in the face with it. Mushroom stamp. Pa! <laughs> <laughs> right, in the, right in the kisser. So he had been dating this girl, uh, living with her and her kids. Everything's kosher. Everything's dandy. Um, from what I could find, no reports of any, like, abuse to the girls or abuse to her or anything like that. He just decided, you know what? They're going to be my first victims. Literally, like, just decided it one day. So Very BTK-like. You know what? This girl right here. The day he went to do it, he had his murder kit in the car, driving over there. Let's do the damn thing. He got there, and there just happened to be a caretaker there on the property taking care of some things. And he said it, like, scared the shit out of him because there wasn't supposed to be anybody there. He was there to do it. So it was almost like like when you say, man, I was going to go to that party and I had a gut feeling not to go. And then something happened and I couldn't. And I just knew, you know, like I got a sign. Yeah. He felt like it was a sign. So then he was like, okay, I shouldn't do this. I saw the sign. It opened up. <laughs> so if you ever wonder what it's like being in my brain, it's just like this. <laughs> all the time. All day, every day. Murder, murder, murder. Random song. (laughs) Murder, murder, murder. Food. (laughs) You know where our priorities are. Thank you. Then on February 14th, 1999, he stalked four young girls that were staying at the Cedar Lodge. But he backed off again because they were accompanied by a man. So he's all about some women, but bring a man. He's a little bitch. Mm-mm. The next night is when Stainer zeroed in on Carol's son and her two teenage children after spying on them through a window at the lodge. That's not very cash money. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And then, as I'd said before, he went to the room about a maintenance problem, said there was a water leak, and was able to eventually convince her to let him in. Listen, you there is no convincing me. This joke over here, though, will let anybody in the fucking house. We had a water purification guy come in. He was judging my cleaning and everything. Um, excuse my me, cleaning. That my cleaning. I could eat off the floor of your home. 
I literally had blisters on the side of my feet from steam cleaning my grout last weekend. I seen those when we were walking up the stairs and I wasn't sure if they were like blisters from something or if you were now shooting up drugs in the side of your foot because that's where my mind went. You know what? For you to think that I'm that like hardcore fun. <laughs> thank you. I'll take it. No. I was like, I before actually, I realized, I was like, oh, this hurts. Why? Oh, fuck. I got blisters. And I was like, Birkenstocks? how lame. No, I was oh. just on my floor and I kept like crab walking all over the place and just. Jesus Christ, yeah. Jennifer. <laughs> Jimmy, why do you let her work this hard and not treating her like the queen she is? That's right. That's right. She's got me. she got my back. But in his defense, I mean, have you seen what a badass motherfucker is? He could take anybody that went in this house. That's why he lets anybody in. He would defend you to the death. Listen, this guy would not leave. Like, you know, when you give polite hints and you're like, okay, so I got to I gotta do this now. And they're like, and they don't take it. Finally, I was like, I'm not buying your shit. You can go now. <laughs> Jimmy's face was like, what the fuck? You did this, Jimmy. You know, they act like, oh, but they appreciate that because they don't have to deal with that. Their stake will never be wrong. Exactly. Never. Like I said, he came from the bathroom. He was holding a gun, telling them he was desperate, bound and gagged the women with duct tape and put the girls in the bathroom. When he strangled son, he used a three-foot piece of rope taking five minutes. I didn't realize how hard it is to strangle a person, Stainer said on the tape. It's not easy. I had very little feeling. It was like performing a task. He had very little okay, first feeling of all, why he strangled He's sitting him, there he trying to copycat Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper did that first, sir. He's already shocked us with that comment. Taken. Taken. Next. Plagiarism. After we take it seriously. After placing Sund into the trunk, yes, we do, <laughs> of the rented Pontiac Grand Prix, Stainer ripped and cut the clothes off the two girls. He tried to get them to perform sex acts on each other, but he became so irritated by it. That Selena's. is such a man. Isn't it? A what? It, I feel like this is me, and I'm just going to be real with y'all. I wouldn't survive this because I would look at him and be like, fuck off. No. Just go ahead and kill me. I'm not doing all this shit so the end can be the same. We go back to the grave, digging your own grave. Mm-mm. You dig it. Fuck you. I'm not doing any manual. Look at these hands. Do you think that I would be... I can't even clean my floor without blistering my ass. First of all, I don't do manual labor in a non-hostage situation. <laughs> Damn sure I ain't doing it for you. Damn sure. Mm-mm. And not... Not picking at any victims that did because honestly who knows maybe i would if i thought it was going to make me okay a grave no i'm not doing it because obviously i'm not gonna live <laughs> maybe, that'd be the one thing that i would be like uh, 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 uh. maybe other things i would be more persuaded to do in the hopes that i could garner your trust and i could live but not the grave because it's clear i'm not getting out of this alive you know what you want an omelet i make killer omelets uh do you listen you need me to iron something i am a woman you know how us ladies are. That, you need a that, sandwich? That's my calling in life. I will sit there and I will do those kind of yeah. things. Digging my grave though? Mm, hard pass. Not a vibe. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> he became so irritated by Sylvina sobbing 
that that's when he led her into the bathroom and strangled her as she knelt in the bathtub. More sexual assaults on Julie followed, not just in the motel, but in the room next door as there was nobody there. In the room next door, he took her friend's body so she wouldn't see it so he could keep her chilled, thinking, I've just locked her up in the other room while I'm doing this to you to keep Julie calm. Because, you know, if she knew her friend was dead and her mom was dead, she probably wasn't going to be as submissive to him as he was hoping if she thought She's they like, were still oh, alive. She's like, oh, shit, no. It's getting real. Now it's... Right. Finally, he left Julie on the bed, tied up and watching TV while he cleaned up the crime scene and dumped Sylvina in the trunk of the car with the mother. It felt like I was in control for the first time in my life, Stainer said on tape. During the six-hour ordeal, Julie asked him if he was going to kill her. Stainer said he just didn't reply. The accused killer's cleaning of the room was so complete, he even wiped tears off the bed sheet. An FBI agent asked him on tape why he did that, and he replied, I watch the Discovery Channel. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't want to compare myself to Carrie Stainer, but But, that is exactly something I would have said. Me too. Like, bitch. Me too. You're not... I watch Law and Order. I watch Cold Justice, okay? I watch Criminal Minds. I watch CSI. Come on now. This is... I watch Fatal Vows. Is it amateur hour? No. I watch Lieutenant Kenda. (laughs) (laughs) I watch the reenactments that Kelly does. (laughs) You'd be like, okay, enough. I got it. You cited your sources, Becky. (laughs) Stainer said after all that cleaning and he was satisfied there was no evidence, he wrapped Julie in the pink blanket and put her in the rental car and drove off aimlessly. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, he said on tape, but I just kept driving and driving. Along the way is when he came to like Julie, who Stainer said her name was Sarah. She was a very likable girl, he said, crying on tape. She was very calm. So he was just like, your name's Sarah now? Yeah. You don't have your crazy cat. Pick it up and put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the names, you couldn't come up with something cooler? Like, <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> and, you know, how, like, very, like, mind swap, like, okay, all of a sudden we live in this new world where you kidnap this girl and her name is Sarah and you guys are BFFs and gonna fall in love. But, bro, can you call me something cool like Daenerys? <laughs> Queen Khaleesi? of Thorns? Queen of Thorns? Come on. Sarah. If you want me to dig my own grave, you're going to need to do better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need to get on my level. Thank you. I hope you guys know the humor is just to keep from being sad and crying inside all the time. He drove to Lake Don Pedro, just east of Modesto. He parked, carried her up a trail, and placed her on the ground. She was still bound by tape. I told her I wish I could keep her. He said, and then he sexually assaulted her Oh, that kind of fucks up my memory of Casper. Can I keep you? Now it's Carrie's... Fuck. God damn it. That's another gift I left for you there today, Thank Jennifer. You. Along with the fear anytime stares, someone <laughs> stares at you too much, they're imagining your death. Jimmy is all the time. Uh, but... Bro, I can't even people. take a shower without that heavy breathing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> His face is pressed against the clear shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he brushed her hair fanned it out on the ground beneath her head. I told her I loved her. 
he said, and then he cut her throat. She made a hand gesture to him, which he interpreted as her asking him to finish her off. And he looked away while she died over the next 15 to 20 seconds. I didn't want her to suffer the way the other two did, Stainer said, leaving her body lying under the brush. He then drove the car where the bodies of Carol's son and Selena Pelosi in the trunk to the long barn, left it, and returned two days later with a can of gasoline and lit it on fire. He has something about some women. Is there like a trend on this? the women that he's like where when he comes up with these? Because it wasn't just one time that he did this. It was just these two incidents, these four women that mm-hmm. are known. But he is sus- suspected in other murders that happened in Yosemite. But no, he never. Like, you're an accessory. I'm just killing you with something about you and I love you and I don't want you to suffer even though I'm going to make you suffer. That sounds like the worst. Thank you. Well, he said it took so long to strangle the other two. He didn't want it to take that long for her to die. So that's why he cut her throat. Where did that come from? Not a psychologist, though. No. Just a girl doing a podcast with her best friend. That's it. Damn it. Before he let lit the car on fire, he scratched into the hood, we have Sarah. I don't know. First of all, you didn't even use the correct name. Remember, that's what he named her. So well, it was correct, like, Jennifer. But if he's wanting to like, now you just confuse it. Oh, well, that was that's the point. There. That. Okay, I was behind. Sorry. Good job, Detective <laughs> Jennifer. Good job. See, <laughs> <laughs> so you could be a detective. I could be. I just had to work through it. So you would special. be out there looking at that and be like, we have Sarah, but her name's not even. T- oh, he's trying to confuse us, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> Good try. Good try. But we already <laughs> but know. But you don't. You just didn't realize you're fucking with the detective who thoroughly enjoys CSI. And the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. I, too, carry. I, too, watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The confession provides a further look at what drove Stainer to kill as he saw Armstrong outside her remote cabin, loading her car for her trip to San Francisco. Stainer, who was 39, said he knew that what he did was wrong and acknowledged it was a cold-blooded act, but said he just lost control. Initially, he didn't intend to kill, but as he watched the nature guide walking back and forth to her car and watering her plants, it occurred to him that she was alone and the thought of killing her entered his mind. He walked up and began talking to Armstrong, pulled a gun, forced her into the house, saying he was going to rob her. He bound her mouth and hands with duct tape and forced her into his trunk with the intent of raping and murdering her. Armstrong made an effort to escape her killer, diving headfirst out of the window of the moving truck and running for her life. Stainer quickly tackled her, dragged, drug her deeper into the woods of Yosemite as she vigorously fought back and he slit her throat. He said Armstrong had tried to pin her chin to her chest to block the knife. So this poor little baby fought with everything she had in her. Guess he learned she wasn't going to dig her grave. Mm-mm. She said fuck around and find out. Yeah. I love when I hear, I say that 
please take it the right way. Uh, just the spirit of someone like that to do Survival. everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wish it turned out differently for her. As, I wish I she would have jumped out and another car came by or something, you know. It's just, I think a lot of it has to do with vulnerability and the control that these people have over their victims. So to see a victim take that control back and deny yes. that killer or something, I think that's where... Yes, that is exactly it. To see her tell him, fuck you. We're not doing this your way. We're mm-hmm. going to fucking do it my way. You're not going to be able to enjoy this. Yeah. I'm going to make it hard for you. The end may be the end, but we are not doing it on your terms. I'm going out fisticuffs. Fisticuffs and fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding about the fellatio. <laughs> it's so dark and I love just so much. <laughs> I love when I shock you with those things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He dragged her further into the forest, down a hill. Fast forward if you don't like really graphic stuff. Put his foot on her head and pushed it back and then began cutting her head off. Okay. I, I don't have that option to fast forward. So <laughs> after the second cutting, she was still struggling slightly. And I grabbed her leg and started dragging her. And a few seconds later, she went totally limp. He tried to cover his tracks, but said it was difficult to hide the blood of trail with pine needles and dirt. He went back to his truck and then decided he would return to the creek where he had dragged her body and cut her head off. He said he tried to hide the head in some reeds and briefly considered keeping it. So you felt pretty good that you were going to be able to pull this off when the interrogators asked. I didn't feel good about it, he replied. I say it's like matter-of-factly I was doing this, you know. It's like I'm a split personality. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure that's what the detective thought, too. Carrie was also interviewed by Tim Rollins and openly confessed and told him about the murders. The first thing Carrie said upon Rollins entering the visitation of the prison was, let me clarify who Tim Rollins is. He was a news anchor. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that Carrie said to him was, before I say anything, I want you to contact producers in Los Angeles because I want a movie of the week made about my story. And here's the irony in those words. And such that one sentence is such like a key in my opinion to what this all returns to. Mm-hmm. When his brother was kidnapped, they made a movie of the week about him. Mm-hmm. And now Carrie wants a movie of the week made about him. It's like, yeah, I earned it. Earned it. <sighs> no, you did not, Carrie. Many people still believe the motive for Carrie becoming a murderer was wanting the attention after being in the shadow of his brother. And the above statement, I'm... Like I said, that's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, you were asking literally for what your brother got, but, you know, you earned it a different kind of, did you earn it? <laughs> Carrie openly admitted that he'd been fantasizing about murdering women since he was seven years old, long before the abduction of his brother even happened. Mm-hmm. Because remember, he was 11 when his brother was abducted. He started fantasizing when he was seven. So mm-hmm. before any of this trauma that you want to say is what created it, he was having these thoughts before. And that's kind of where it might have changed the trajectory. It might have changed the what he was going to do procedurally, but it didn't change the fact that it was likely to happen. 
Right. And that's why I think trauma only plays a small part. And I feel like it may be the catalyst for the thoughts you already had and the misfiring of the wires that you already had. Mm-hmm. You know, Carrie openly admitted that he would have kept killing until he was caught or he had killed himself, that he had zero intentions of stopping. According to a psychiatrist, who for some reason my type font hyphenated that, (laughs) who would later evaluate Stainer for his defense team, the Stainer family tree was riddled with mental illness and sexual abuse going back five generations. Damn. Yeah. According to the psychiatrist's report, Stainer's father, Delbert Stainer, was ordered into therapy for molesting his own daughters. In addition to her father's unwanted advances, one of the Stainer's sisters said that Carrie started peeping on her and inappropriately touching her when she was 10. A cousin said that Stainer spied on her and his sisters and a neighbor girl hiding, hiding under their beds and videotaping them in the bathroom, in the bedroom. And for any of you that are younger than me and Jennifer, Video cameras back then, you had to hold on your shoulder. <laughs> they were like, you people always see people like the uh, in the Adidas suits and they're holding like the, the boom, boom box. boxes. They were probably about that fucking size. No shit. Google it. Fucking all that for a little VHS tape. So that imagine, will still not work. Imagine him trying to hide under the bed with that video camera and videotape. Not to mention they had a big red flashing light. Could when you they imagine were how loud it would have been with the tape going? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Carrie, nice? we can see you and hear you. <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> One relative described child sexual abuse as like a family sickness because it had been going on for so many generations. As the older brother, Stainer felt an undeserved sense of responsibility for not protecting Stephen from harm. He said that was probably one of his biggest issues as a child, which, you know, parents feel the same way when something happens to their kid as though you should have done something. You should have been there to protect them. But, you you know, you can't. He did actually admit to having a lot of pain and inner trauma from that growing up, which I get. He also felt more directly responsible. Stainer told another psychiatrist, Park Dees, who was hired by the prosecution to evaluate whether he was sane at the time, he committed the Yosemite murders, but as a child, he worried that the obsessive thoughts he had about holding the neighbor girl against her will somehow caused Stephen to be kidnapped. So he felt like because he'd had those thoughts as a child, and then a few years later that his brother was kidnapped, that it was like a karma, a punishment mm-hmm. for having those thoughts. It's funny how, like, at some moments, he seems to be so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And then the next minute. Logical. He, he has so much inner um, reflection. Yeah. And logic to his. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is probably because this and like. Stainer was convicted on August 27, 2002. He was tried in federal court for Armstrong's murder since it was occurred on federal land. To attempt to avoid a possible death sentence, he pleaded guilty to premeditated first-degree murder and felony first-degree murder, kidnapping resulting in death, and attempted aggravated sexual abuse resulting in death. Stainer was sentenced to die at San Quentin State Prison in California, but California's last execution was held in 2006, and in 2019, Governor Gavin Newsom placed a statewide 
moratorium on capital punishment. He is still alive today, sitting on death row in a cell only inches bigger than a king-size bed. And that, my friends, is the dark side of the Stainer family. I mean, it feels like both of them are different shades of dark. Right? (laughs) Could you imagine being the mama of the two boys? I don't think I'd have survived him. No. Like, it'd be what... First off, the the whole thing, you know, the brother, that is, wow. Not only did your child get kidnapped, and then but then the, years later he returned, which is like doesn't happen as a teenager. Yeah, not a seven year old. That's all those years you missed, and then you have your other child who's like, yeah, Ooh. yeah. I'd make, give you some self doubts on your life. Be like, what the fuck happened? Come on, God, could you take me off the list of strong people for this year? <laughs> I did read an article yesterday about um, the death penalty and how a lot of people who end up working with um, inmates who are sentenced to death and execution, they work directly with executions and stuff, how that changed their opinion from being either neutral or pro-death penalty to anti-death penalty. Not because the people don't deserve it that are being sentenced to this, but the effect that it has on the people who have to do it. Yeah. And it's like creating more victims and trauma. And I guess nobody's really ever spoken about it. And I was like, shit, I never even thought about that. Like, I've, I've heard about where they'd have a firing squad and like 10 people and only one of them has a real bullet. The other nine are duds or something. Like, just so to make it easier on but the everyday life. They should probably have like a system where, so when I was in high school, I wanted to be a cop. Mm-hmm. And I went and shadowed a, a cop, um, part of some program that I had done. And they stuck me with a guy who did um, sex and um, child cases. So kind of like the SVU. And he said that they were only allowed to stay in that division for four years. And then they had to rotate out. And that they could come back again at some point, but they could only do four years at a time because it was too mentally hard on them that they were not allowed to stay in there for a long time. And he was like, they can leave and go to like another assignment for a few years and come back because Mm -hmm. some people enjoy this particular field because they want to help the victims. Mm -hmm. Not, you know what I mean when I say enjoy, but they could not stay longer than four years. And I think that was smart. That is actually very smart because it's taking them out of that equation before they do their own self-destruction. Yeah. Because four years, I'm sure, would give you some self-destruction all on its own. Oh. But to do longer than that. To see the things that you're probably going to end up having to see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what gets me when people are like, I want to know the details. Yes, but you can't unknow some of these details. Yeah, you can't. And while I think I've kind of grown like it's not that it's not that it's not shocking it's just that it does not surprise me that humans are capable of such terrifying things because i've seen it and i don't know necessarily like speaking the delphi i know that they're holding back information still and there's going to be like some court hearings in january so this thing's going to go for a little bit i'm sure but eventually 
there will be some information that comes out. And I'm almost tempted to not know. Yeah. You know, I think the next case that I'm going to cover that I will um, be my next, my first case when we come back is an inmate that I took care of at the prison. Mm -hmm. And I made the mistake of looking him up and finding out his crime. And it was literally the biggest challenge of my life to continue to provide care to him after what I found out he did. And so I think I'm going to cover him next and uh, uh, integrate my personal experience with dealing with him. Because I dealt with him not only on a patient sense that I obviously cannot discuss, but I dealt with him in a sense of on the grounds of the prison right. having to walk by Just him and normal speak interaction to him. And, every yeah. day. So I can tell you what it's actually like to interact with a murderer and tell you the crimes that he did because he was in there for murder. Eight life sentences is what he got. Yeah. And uh, it's not every day that a person meets a murderer. And mm -hmm. when you do, it is terrifying. And interacted with them for three years. And because they are just like anybody else. Yeah. So and I can give you guys. They can hide it. The So good. The whole story of how I even came to look him up. Because I didn't just look people up. There would be a specific reason why I did. And there was a specific reason I went and looked him up. So I can tell you from the time I encountered him, what led up to me looking him up, and then I'll tell you his case, and then I will tell you how I reacted with him after I knew his case. I'm excited to hear this one. Yeah. It'll be very personal, and uh, I will warn you, it is a 100% certified mushroom stamp episode. It's going to be a rough one. will give you absolute terrifying nightmares, and it will make you cry. It will probably be one of the worst stories I'll ever cover. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's Merry my gift Christmas. to you. <laughs> Happy holidays, you guys. And I can guarantee you that unless you lived in the area, that probably nobody has ever heard the story. Those are the good ones, though. Yeah. Good being a rook. I love that we get to that point all the time. Like when we use some terms, like this is exciting. I'm very excited to talk about this death. Like <laughs> it's hard to put in the terms, but like, you know what I mean. <laughs> So I know Jennifer has some announcements for from us, right? I do. About like, aren't we taking a break for? Oh this yeah, season? we talked about it a little bit last time. Yeah, but I figured. Yeah, we just, reiterate. Yeah, so you're we, better at that than me. Oh, sorry to like, thank just you. Drop it on you. <laughs> um, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Always hyping me up. I love this. <laughs> you need to be a hard, hard person. You know what I'm just saying? I mean, I could. <laughs> So you guys, we're going to be taking, we got one more episode and then we're going to complete season one and then we're going to come back uh, between January and February, the date to be determined based upon schedules, 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 uh, her people have to call my people. Yeah. Um, got to move some things JJ around. JJ and Jimmy, they're the peoples. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We do not let them handle any of our business. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we do have one more story that is going to just kind of end it on a lighter note don't forget to like and subscribe us on whatever platform you're listening to um we may be taking a break but there are so many episodes uh that have been recorded this year in fact we have we did the Spotify end of year 
you know, we all get that. I, we never realize that the guess there is a content creator one. And we are in the top what percentage, Jimmy, of like high content or like like 97. We have more content than 97 percent of other true crime podcasts. Put it out there. (laughs) Brush your shoulder off. (laughs) And we're in the top 15% of true crime podcasts because of you guys. Yeah. Yes, girl. The Spotify rap has been like mind-blowing because we do this as a hobby. Yes, we joke about it would be awesome if we hit it off and like just went viral or whatever. But at the same time. I got to go on tour and see you guys in person. Right? Living my best life and all my friends would come true. Oh, my God. I'm hugging everybody. I don't care. I've been practicing autographing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but are you? I wish. <laughs> right now, nobody gives a fuck about me or how I write my name. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> but uh, it's been just overwhelming to see people. We've actually met people in real life that have come across our podcast before they met us. And it just... Very humbling, mind-blowing. Yeah, it's cool. Um, it's It's been a great fucking year. Yeah. And I am excited for what we have to come next year. So if you guys have any ideas of some things that you want to hear, drop in our DMs. Oh, yeah. We're working on uh, the one with that person that I've been messaging about, the guy on death row. Mm, I hope we get a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you have your own too close to home stories, have you met a murderer? We're we're interested. We want to hear it. We definitely want to hear this. So, have, have you interacted with a murderer? Yeah. Are you a murderer? And you want to let us know about it and do an interview? Exactly. Exactly. We won't call the police. Wink, 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 wink. But find us on our social media. That's how you can drop in on our DMs. We have TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and we do have merch. Yeah. If you're looking to gift somebody the wondrous gift of too close to home outfits, we got a whole bevy of things. Got a coffee cup. Hold on yours. Jimmy's done a great job on that. He has. I think that's it. Did I cover all the announcements? Socials, platforms. Um, just a little update. The guy on death row is writing us a letter right now. Is he really? He is. He can only send them via snail mail, and they she anticipates that it will arrive to us in a month. Do you think he's going to send, like, prison art? I fucking hope so, bro. Bro, I... And I'm telling you right now, Jennifer, it's going in a frame, and when we have our own podcast room, we're mm-hmm. sharing it. Our mm-hmm. first piece of murder memorabilia, we're, we're sharing them all, okay? Yeah, I do have like jail. Bro, she really jail said he's stuff. writing us a letter. Fuck, this is awesome. I do have like <laughs> you that can cross. Cut that part out, Jimmy, if you need to. I do have that cross that an inmate made me, but he just had a whole lot of DUIs. So this is infinitely cooler. <laughs> this is like really this is cool. like big leagues. So okay, now after we finish, go this, and we brush her shoulder off or rock away. You know. <laughs> I don't know how to rock away, but I'm over here doing something. Do they even do the rock away anymore? Who knows? <laughs> Superman. Superman, no. <laughs> oh, until next time. Stay, stay safe. safe. <laughs> I forgot it's music. <laughs> okay, See, this over. is how much it hurt my brain when I had to do it by <laughs> myself. I was like, stay safe. Keep your head on someone. You're too close to home. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Right, start over. So don't forget to stay safe. Oh, no. What? Okay. Sorry. It's fucking me up now. Ready? Until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on the swivel. And don't bring it too close to home. Unless it's because you're getting letters from death row inmates to cover on a podcast. Then it's Bring okay. it home. Bring it home. Bring it on home. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.